You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. I have a mini episode for you today. I'll be back next week with another full episode with a wonderful guest. I'll be reading an excerpt from an article about the poet Mary Oliver, as well as one of her poems, and also a chapter from Letters to a Young Artist by Anna DeVere Smith. If you'd like to hear that, continue listening. If not, check back next week. I hope you enjoy this mini-episode of The Compass. So this is a little bit of an article um, about Mary Oliver, the great American poet. Um, It's a little bit from the article and then a poem that was also included in it. The article is from uh, brainpickings.org. It's entitled Mary Oliver on what attention really means and her moving elegy for her soulmate by Maria Popova. For more than 40 years, Oliver lived on Cape Cod with the love of her life, the remarkable photographer Molly Malone Cook. One of the first staff photographers for The Village Voice, with subjects like Walker Evans and Eleanor Roosevelt, and a visionary gallerist who opened the first photography gallery on the East Coast, exhibited such icons as Ansel Adams and Bernice Abbott, and recognized rising talents like William Clift. When Cook died in 2005 at the age of 80, Oliver looked for a light, however faint, to shine through the thickness of bereavement. She spent a year making her way through thousands of her spouse's photographs and unprinted negatives, mostly from around the time they met, which Oliver then enveloped in her own reflections to bring to life Our World, part memoir, part deeply moving eulogy to a departed soulmate, part celebration of their love for one another through their individual creative loves. Embraced in Oliver's poetry and prose, Cook's photographs reveal the intimate thread that brought these two extraordinary women together a shared sense of deep aliveness and attention to the world, a devotion to making life's invisibles visible, and above all, a profound kindness to everything that exists within and without. The poem is called The Whistler. All of a sudden, she began to whistle. By all of a sudden, I mean that for more than 30 years, she had not whistled. It was thrilling. At first, I wondered, who was in the house? What stranger? I was upstairs reading, and she was downstairs. As from the throat of a wild and cheerful bird, not caught but visiting, the sounds warbled and slid and doubled back and larked and soared. Finally, I said, is that you? Is that you whistling? Yes, she said. I used to whistle a long time ago. Now I see I can still whistle. And cadence after cadence, she strolled through the house, whistling. I know her so well, I think. I thought. Elbow and ankle. Mood and desire. Anguish and frolic. Anger, too, and the devotions. And for all that, do we even begin to know each other? Who is this I've been living with for thirty years? This clear, dark, lovely whistler. I love what that poem says about never really knowing everything about the person you love, but also I feel like it could be applied to yourself and forgetting things about yourself and rediscovering them or not discovering them until much later in your life. This is a chapter in the book Letters to a Young Artist by Anna DeVere Smith. The chapter is entitled Taking Care of Yourself. Dear BZ, 
I'm sitting on a floor taking a break in one of the most gorgeous dance studios I have ever been in in my life. Marcos, an assistant from a couple of years ago and a former student, is helping me learn lines for the movie of my play Twilight, which will begin shooting in a week or so. Marcos has gone down to get us some juice and coffee. I've rented this studio at the San Francisco Ballet to prepare for the movie. That is, to prepare the acting part of it. We've been working in here for about a week. The light coming into this room is perfect. The room is huge and immaculate. The dance studios at Juilliard in New York are pretty spectacular, but they are nothing like this. There are locker rooms outside for the students. It is so quiet and peaceful. No one's here. The school is not in session. When I arrive today, there is a very attractive man dancing. I thought I had disturbed a rehearsal. I'm sorry, I said. I barged in with my bags full of 50 tape recordings. I use tape recordings in order to study the voices of the characters I'm learning, plus my tape recorder, plus my video camera, which I use during rehearsal to videotape the work and then watch it back. It's fine. It's fine, he said jovially. I was just messing around. He started putting his things away as I got set up. Are you with the San Francisco Ballet, I asked. Oh, no, no, he laughed. I haven't danced in years. I used to, long ago. He was in great shape, so I couldn't imagine it was that long ago. Are you a choreographer, I asked. I thought maybe he had his own dance company, and like me, he had rented the studio. Oh, no, he said, I'm the company doctor. Is someone ill? No, the company has a full-time doctor. On call, I asked. No, I'm full-time staff. He said all of this in an easy, breezy way. The ballet has a full-time, year-round doctor, like every day? Yes, he said. Wow, I said. Have a great rehearsal, he said, and left. Wow, a full-time doctor and this gorgeous space. There are certain kinds of artists and certain kinds of art that are taken care of. Others are not. Money, patronage, philanthropy go for that which is established. It is very, very rare that philanthropy puts money into the daily care of things that are truly off-center in this country. Not in other countries. I think of William Forsythe's Frankfurt Ballet. And here there are some exceptions. Robert Wilson would be an exception. It would be wonderful if we were all taken care of that way. But we aren't. We live in a prince and pauper world... Some artists are in an area of art that is fully endowed, others are not. That's a fact. Even if you are not cared for, you have to take care of yourself. Your health is important. The idea of the starving artist who ultimately ends up cutting his ear off is an idea I have rarely seen played out. In most circles of successful artists, there is a lot more health and wholesomeness than one is led to believe. You need rest. You need good nutrition for your body, your mind, and your soul. You need lots of ideas and a brain and nervous system that can absorb them. Think of your imagination as a muscle that needs to be plump with health. Stay hydrated. ADS, San Francisco, May 1999. I hope you're all having a wonderful week and are taking care of yourselves. listening to the compass podcast i'm leah walsh more episodes are coming soon please look for us on facebook and itunes i'd like to thank the following people for their generosity 
The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brendan Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.